Okay, we just uh, we continue with a series still on the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible added uh, that they that serve Christ in this way, they are acceptable to God and approved of men. That's Romans fourteen seventeen. And uh, last week we started examining the issue of peace in the kingdom. Praise the Lord. And today I want to make you see the basis of the peace which Jesus provided for us or promised us in the world. Like he spoke to the disciples, my peace I live with you. And I tried to explain that a little bit last week. But I want to examine it from the law, the light of the law this evening and progress to what it really means for us. So now, turn to the book of Leviticus. Uh, if you want to have a subtitle for today, it's simply Our Peace Offering. Our Peace Offering. So we go to Leviticus chapter 3. Leviticus 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace, offering, if he offer of the herb, whether it be a male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Okay, let me just read this from the Living Bible. Leviticus 3, 1 to 3. When anyone wants to give an offering of thanksgiving to the Lord, he may use either a bull or a cow, but the animal must be certainly or entirely without defect. It is to be offered to the Lord. The man who brings the animal should lay his hand upon his head and kill it at the door of the tabernacle. Then Aaron's son shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. Now, this description is just given to us what it was supposed to be. When you talk about a peace offering, it has to do with, like the Living Bible talks about Thanksgiving. What it's actually trying to say is you are reconciled, you've come to the place of peace between you and your enemy or the Lord, and you're offering this as an offering. Amen? You know, we have several type of offerings that we've been offered. Like wave shiva offering and it's like your crops, you offer them. They are all part of what we call thanks, uh, giving offering in the sense of the fact that God gave you the ability and the provision so you have to offer back unto him. So the peace offering is similar in that sense. So here the Bible is saying, if you have to offer the sacrifice of the peace offering, let it be without blemish. And I want to point out to us precisely why Christ was a lamb without blemish, as it were. And uh, just in case you may want to know as well, one of the major reasons why Jesus had to go through water baptism was because he was a lamb of God. And the lamb, before it is offered, have to be washed. And so before Christ, we have, if I go, have to go to the cross, have to go through 
that washing, which you will probably not call baptism. Is that okay? It has to be washed. And as it were, the priest is the one that has to wash the lamp. And that is why also it was important that John the Baptist, who actually was from the priestly lineage of Zachariah, have to wash him. Amen? Are you there with me? So this is one of the basic reasons why that have to happen. Okay, so that is what we call the peace offering. Now, the peace offering here is being used in scripture to denote prosperity and happiness generally. When you talk about the peace offering, it symbolizes or it stands for prosperity and happiness generally speaking. It's a peace offering was, I mean, a peace offering was kind of a voluntary tribute or gratitude for health and other benefits. So you need to understand it now. You are offering a peace offering. When you offer the peace offering, you're offering it because of the, your gratitude as a result of what God has done for you, which has to do with your health and your prosperity. Is that all right? Now you can also begin to see what Paul was writing about when he said he was made poor that we might be made rich. His prosperity he gave to us and he took our poverty. Is that okay? His weakness, I mean his, his strength he gave to us and we took, I mean he took our weaknesses. Everything that was negative on our part he took and we received all that was good on his part. That was a divine exchange. Is that okay? Alright, so this is why peace offering was offered, which has to do with the kind of gratitude, you know, for the things you receive. Like I said, it denotes prosperity and happiness, generally. Praise the living God. Okay, uh, so when you talk about the peace offering, you're talking about what you're offering because of the gratitude. I mean, it's a result of gratitude for what the Lord has given unto you. And the word also is very important. The word peace there uh, actually talks about shalom, like I said previously. And above all, it's an offering to make peace between God and man. You need to also understand that. The peace offering is an offering to make peace between you and God. That is why you take the animal to the priest to be slaughtered and the blood has to be sprinkled around the four corners of the horns of the altar by Aaron the high priest who receives it from you. And then you remember, when that is going to happen, you have to lay hands on the head of that animal. By implication, you are actually transferring all your sins, all your iniquities onto the animal that you are offering. Amen? And then the high priest will kill this animal, meaning the animal took all your sins from you. And then God accepts you as righteous before him. Are you following this? Right. And this is why the scripture also says, Our iniquities were laid upon him. Just like the animal that is being offered, you have to lay hands on him, confess all your sins on top of the animal, give it to the high priest, and then you kill that one. You know? So he took all your sins away, and so Christ also took all your sins away. Amen? Now, when that happens, you must understand something. When your sins are taken away, you find favor before God. Because what separates you from God is supposed to be what? Sin. Is that okay? Now that animal 
uh, you've laid hands on the animal, you've made all your confession about the animal, the animal takes away your sin, now you have peace with God. Because the enmity that was supposed to be between you and God was as a result of sin. Can you, can you get a picture now? So when that happens, automatically you have peace with who? With God now. Is that okay? Right. So, because Christ stood in this place for us, meaning now we have peace with God. Why? Because he took our sins upon himself. Is that okay? As a lamb of God. Amen? Alright. Thank you, Lord. Now, you see, a lamb of God, what is that supposed to be? Remember what Abraham told Isaac. The Lord will provide himself. What? A sacrifice. Is that okay? Hey, are we together? Aha. Uh-huh. You see, Abraham to make sure that when he said, Where is the land, the wood, and whatever? I said, The land will provide himself a land for sacrifice. Is that all right? Okay, now, here is John speaking, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. So, what it really means is what Abraham was speaking was prophetic about Jesus Christ. Did you understand that? So, God really provided himself a lamb. Is that okay? Praise the living God. So understand that. And the lamb be provided without blemish. Right? The type he recommended, the type he wanted. And so he came. And then we have to accept it that he's taking it from us. He's taking our sins from us. This is a problem. The problem is, how do we now? Because we are not the one that provided it. Is that okay? God provided it for himself. Because we couldn't have been able to provide anyone without blemish. Alright? Now God provided it. And God is saying, I'm giving this to you. Accept it as my own lamb, which can be pleasing to me. Now you believe that it can take what was on you on himself. And I'm going to accept you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? That is just the message. You can't provide it. He has to provide it. God will provide himself a lamb. The lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. What are we going to do? Accept that we could not provide a lamb that God will accept. Now he provided a lamb by himself. So we believe into what he has done by providing a lamb. Therefore our sins are taken away. Now we have peace with God. Because what God requires, he has gotten. Is that alright? Okay. So that is what we mean by the peace offering. Um, another thing that needs to happen is this. You don't only have peace between you and God. Can we turn to Ephesians? I'll read the scripture, the Ephesians 2. You don't only have peace between you and God, you also have peace between you and men. See, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He that serves Christ in this thing is acceptable to God and approved of men. Two people are involved in this matter. Okay? You do not only have peace between you and God, you ought to have heart or you should have peace between you and men. That is what a lamb provides for. Okay. Ephesians 2. Are we there? Let's see what Paul has to say on this. I'm reading from verse 14. Ephesians 2 from verse 14. For he is our peace. Now, check out that statement. He is our peace. Paul is automatically referring to the peace offering. When he says he's our peace, he's saying he made the peace available for us. Is that okay? 
Now, let's see. For he is our peace who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, he's talking about Christians and the Jewish people. Or the Gentiles and the Jewish people. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandment contained in ordinances for to make in himself up to one new man. So making peace. Okay? And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which you are far off, and to them that were nigh. That the Jews are the Gentiles now. For through him we both, Jews and Gentiles, have ourselves by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of faith. Praise the Lord. So here we are talking about peace between God and peace between men. When he say he is our peace, automatically saying you can have peace between you and God. Because you took away your sin And everything that was supposed to be a problem Between you and your neighbor Is also paid for So there is peace between God and man And there is peace between man And man Do you understand that? One thing you need to realize is Gentiles Were more or less enemies Of Christ I mean uh, of the Jewish people they cannot allow Gentile people to come close to them. Are you getting that? Fine. So there was a kind of enmity between the Gentiles and the Jewish people. Now, what Paul is saying here is, the sacrifice which God provided for himself bridged the gap between God and man, bringing peace. Men can relate to God now. And not just that, men can relate to men. Do you understand that? So that's why he said, he that served Christ in this thing is acceptable to God and approved of men. Men approved you when there is peace between both of you. There's a relationship. Praise the living God. Alright. Now, this is the gravity or the strength of the peace offering that we are discussing tonight. Talking about the kingdom. Everything God has provided for. I keep on emphasizing all we need is to believe into what God has done. And we can have the peace that God intended us to do what? To have. Peace between God and man. And peace between men and men. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's move on just a little bit. So how do we secure this peace? How do we secure it? How can we obtain it? How do we, how do we receive it? How can we really say, well, we got the peace that we are talking about. Remember, Philippians made us understand this is the peace that passes all understanding. In other words, there is no circumstance in creation that can take away this peace from your life. Amen? No circumstance. Okay, um, let's see something from the book of Luke chapter 2. Uh, I'll read just verse, verse 14. Luke chapter 2 verse 14. Praise the Lord. Now, here Luke is writing, talking about Jesus Christ, the bed. And it says, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest heavens, I'm reading from the Amplified, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is well pleased, men of good will and of his favor. Now, I want you to check that out. 
Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace among men. With whom he is well pleased. In other words, it is people that are well pleased that receive the peace I'm talking about. And this is the reason why you find that there is still so much trouble on the earth today even though this declaration is made. Because the key emphasis is those who receive this peace are those who are well pleasing unto who? Unto God. So you may be wondering how could it be that we claim to be Christians and we don't seem to go through or receive what it seems to have been promised. The key to it is those who are well pleasing to the Lord. And I'm going to give you one simple example here. And you'll find out how Jesus was able to obtain that peace as well. Can we go to Matthew chapter 3? Hallelujah. I like that. Amen. Peace on earth among men whom is well pleased. Okay. Um, Mighty 3, 16 to 17. This is Jesus' baptism. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the waters. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lightning upon him. Amen. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Did you get there? Hallelujah. Matthew 3, 16, 17. The voice said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And we already have been able to see Luke 2.14 from the Amplified. And the Lord is saying, Those who receive his peace, which is providing... Are those who are well pleasing to him. Is that okay? Meaning, Jesus was qualified to receive the peace we are discussing. Is that okay? Now, why is this so? Because he's the firstborn among many brethren. What he did not partake of, you can partake of it. What he did not taste, you can taste it. Are you there with me? He's the firstborn among many brethren. And the Bible says he must have preeminence in everything. The word preeminence means the first place. Means the chief. Is that okay? So if you must have the preeminence and the condition for receiving this peace is to be well pleasing to the Lord, then he should be the first to qualify to be well pleasing to the Lord, then receive the peace for himself. And that is not the end. Now, because he had the peace because he was, was pleasing to the Lord, he could make the same declaration, my peace I give unto you. Can you see the chain there? Hallelujah. So, because sometimes you be asking when the Bible says peace on earth, and, and you be wondering if there's peace on earth, the Lord declared that. Why do we see have all this trouble, all this world, all this problem, all this killing, all this robbery, all this BH, and so on and so forth? Why do we see have them? It's like saying the scripture is not accurate or so. No, 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 no. It is to those who are well pleasing, unto who? Unto the Lord. Amen? Does it make sense? Okay. Let's read on. Okay, so, so you find that the son has a peace and genuinely, he alone can then be able to reveal it. 
Praise the living God. So just like I said, having the peace of the Father therefore is something that is within. Now, how many of you know that peace is very powerful? Okay, how many of you know that joy is very powerful? Do you know joy is powerful? Now, can you see joy? Can you see peace? But it's real. Joy is real. Peace is real. Okay? And that is why people get confused sometimes about the kingdom of God. When you say the kingdom is real, they say, but what about all this trouble we're seeing? But a kingdom is first real before it is kind of manifested in the natural. You can have peace within you and you can manifest peace. You can have joy within you, you can manifest joy. Is that okay? Alright. So now, the first thing you need to understand that the peace we are discussing is something that is within. It's not external. Because the person that personifies the peace himself dwells within you. Amen. His kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And the kingdom is expressed in your heart. So, he must reign through righteousness in your heart. And manifest his peace in your heart. By implication, there comes a time in your life. Just as we're going to be reading on. Where there is no storm in life that can disturb the peace. When the king himself is sitting on his throne. No matter what, you can be moved. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you why. The Bible refers to, if you look at the Galatians 5, 23 the Bible tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Peace and what? First of all, it starts with what? Love, joy, peace. You understand that? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Is that okay? Gentleness, whatever, whatever, as the case may be. Right? So, it means the peace we are discussing is wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace and joy. Is that okay? Now, we know the Holy Spirit is not something you can handle. Right? But it lives within men. It lives within souls that believe and have received Him. Praise the living God. Are you still with me? Alright. So, if I have to answer the question, how can you secure this peace? Is to receive the Prince of Peace. Himself. Who is and was well pleasing to the Lord. And because he was well pleasing to the Lord, he received the peace of God. And now he is the Prince of Peace. When you use the word Prince of Peace, it means he is the author of this peace. Hallelujah. He is the originator of this peace. So, it's not the kind of peace you can get through money, you can get through anything. No, 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 no. It's not the kind of peace you get through security, man. It's the peace that flows from the inside because the prince of peace resides on your inside. In situations that looks very drastic and critical, you can still maintain your peace. Amen? Okay. Uh, for time's sake, we need to go a little bit faster. Let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Let me read some scriptures here. Talking about how we can secure this peace. In times of trouble. Amen. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8. Let's look at verse 22. We're going to read a few scriptures here. Luke chapter 8 verse 22. Praise the Lord. 
Now it came to pass on a certain day. Now I want you to pay very close attention to this story. Very interesting. We're still dealing with how can we secure the peace of God. It came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples. And he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Who said unto them? Jesus. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. Maybe he was tired, I don't know. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water. And were in jeopardy. Trouble. Hmm? And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the region of the water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Oh. And they being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commanded even the winds and water, and they obey him. Hallelujah. Now, like I said last week, I'm sure I mentioned that. There was this storm, the wind jeopardy, the boat was in trouble, the storm was there, the wind was there, but it was sleeping. Is that okay? Are you with me? These are, let me say, two, three, five men in the same situation. One was at peace, the other way were in trouble. He secured the peace, he was not pleasing to the Lord. The peace he secured already was working for him. One thing was so sure for him. He knew he was going to go to the cross. So he was not going to die in the sea. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying here. So no matter how strong or windy the whole thing would be, that was not a cross. It was a cross that was going to kill him. Not the sea, nor the boat, nor the storm. Nothing in creation can touch his life other than the storm. I mean, the cross. Therefore, he can go to sleep. Peter had to sleep because his time also was not near. Hallelujah. Some of you need to begin to come to this level in life. That you enjoy your sleep, eh? Praise the Lord. Because your time is not yet at hand, eh? Do you realize even when they wanted to kill him or even to make him king, they couldn't? Because his time was not yet at hand. You have your time with God. Can I hear an amen to that? So here the disciples were in trouble. What is it that you think the disciples needed at this moment? It was not the agitation. Listen. They didn't go into the boat themselves. Somebody asked them to move into the boat. Am I right? What do you think they needed here? They needed to trust in the man who asked them to come into the boat and not be agitated. Praise the living God. The word he told them is let us go over. And he cannot make a promise and then he failed. That's why he asked them the question, where is your faith? What faith was he asking them about? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He has already told them, let us go over. Meaning we are going to cross. 
So instead of trusting in the man that made the promise, instead of trusting in the promises, they were looking on his tomb. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. You know, like I said, Romans 10, 17. You know what he said? So then faith come by hearing and hearing what? By the word of God. So anything God tells you guarantees you your peace. Anytime, anywhere. You can trust in that promise. You can trust in the one that made the promise. You can trust in that word. No matter how strong the storm will look like. There is safety for you. It will be there boisterous. When something is boisterous, I'm going to read some scriptures from Psalm and Isaiah. When something is boisterous, it's just making noise that something, somebody can boast very well. It doesn't mean he has power. Boasting is not equal to strength. Does that make sense? It's our country. We know how the Yoruba people behave. Eh? I will cut your neck. I will pluck your eye. I will do this. But when the trouble comes, they are on their knees. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And then the Englishman who says a barking dog does not do all bite. When storms are boisterous, it doesn't mean they are just intimidating you. Trust in the word. Trust in the promises. That is why you must come to the place where you have to have at least one word from the Lord for your life. One word. At least one word. You need just one word for your life. That word can keep you going in the midst of the highest and the biggest problem in life. One word. Amen? Part of what has really sustained me in life have been the things that the Lord has spoken to me. One, two, three, four things the Lord has spoken to me have really kept me going in times of very terrible and difficult times. The word of God doesn't fail. Amen? You know, sometimes, some of you don't even know that ministers can also go through a very terrible time. Paul came to the point that said, we were despair of life. What it means to say is, we feel like committing suicide. That was Apostle Paul. He was a man with mighty miracles. But he said, hey man, situation was so bad that we felt like committing suicide. He said, well, thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm talking about? Sometimes people get these things confused. I may have time to speak to you sometime about the issue of prophecy. Do you know when Agabus came and said, Hey, the man that have this bed, this is how they're going to tie him in Jerusalem. You remember this story? And that has to do with Paul. Is that okay? All right. And the brethren came, Hey, man, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. No. But the word already for Paul said, You're going to go through and you're going to go to prison. You're going to suffer many things for my name's sake. The prophecy was only to prepare him to know that this is what's going to happen, but the prophecy was not to say, stop going there. People misinterpret the intentions of God's word. That a thing is revealed doesn't mean it supersedes the intention of God's mind for you. No. Hallelujah. To me, that word prepared for the more for the imprisonment. He already knew at hand he was going to get into prison. Because the prophecy already came. Hallelujah. So he prepared for it. But that won't stop him because he has a cost to finish. Amen. Alright. 
So faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these people that were this boat with this storm, all they needed to do was to say, hey, the master who spoke with, who spoke to us is here. The one that commanded us to start crossing the sea is here. He hasn't left us alone. And then what he asked us to is we have to cross over. Meaning we must do what? Cross over. Trust the word. Now instead of trusting the word and recognizing the presence of he who made the promise, they were looking at the storm. So their peace eluded them. So two things you need to get to secure the promises and the peace of God. I mean, to secure the very peace of God we are discussing. The word of God and the recognition or the consciousness of his abiding presence. Is that okay? When he's saying, I will not leave you nor forsake you to the end of the age, it is a promise. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It is a promise. He will promise. He's well able to perform. Whatever thing he said he would do. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, he now asks them the question, where is your faith? Have you heard me? Why didn't you sustain yourself by what you heard? Where is your faith? That's why I asked them the question. Hmm? In other words, why are you troubling me after I promise you I'm taking you over? You are with me here. I'm here with you. I have not even left you. I'm right here with you. And I told you we are crossing over. Where is your faith? Why are you so agitated? Now, since your faith is gone, your peace is also gone. I suppose they should have been sleeping like him if need be. (laughs) The Bible says every disciple must be as his master. So I think they should have been sleeping and allow the boat to sail on his own. Instead of doing that... That they were agitated looking at his stuff. You can see the same situation with Peter when God, when Jesus spoke to him and said, Come, come unto me. Is that okay? Peter began to walk. That word kept Peter up from sinking. That word. Faith come by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God created all things and is sustaining all things by what? The word of his power. So when he said, Peter, come. The word alone provided a force that overtook the power of gravity. Peter could not sink. But as soon as he turned his mind away and his heart left and began to see the sea, what's the next thing? He began to sink. So the next question was to come. Peter, where is your faith? I just pray God speak one word to your life. That's all you need. No matter, even if the storm is coming down, the wind is coming down, one word is all you need to keep you going. Hallelujah. Let me look at a few things. The providence of God over the sea. The providence of God over the sea. What God does. The power of God over the sea. The stormy wind. There is nothing life has seemed to threaten you with that you cannot overcome. By simply trusting in the one who can make the promise. No storm yet in life. No power yet in life. No. Look at it. Psalm 89. Psalm 89. I'm reading verse 8 and 9. Psalm 89 verse 8 and 9. Praise the Lord. O Lord God of hosts, who is strong like unto thee, all to thy faithfulness round about thee, 
Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Hallelujah. So basically, even what Jesus did with the apostles was a fulfillment of scriptures. Amen. This is why, if you look at Luke, I think 24, so when these two guys, his disciple on the road to Amos, he came and met with them. I was talking to them. The Bible says, he began to expand the scriptures unto them from the law, from the prophet, and from the Psalms. If you truly know to know about Jesus Christ, the law, the prophet, and the Psalms. These are the three books he used in explaining to them everything that was written about him. Are you there with me? Praise the living God. So he now said, O Lord God of hosts, who is strong like unto thee, all to thy faithfulness round about thee, thou rulest the region of the sea. When the waste thereof arise, that stillest them. Man, let me tell you something. There is no storm that is going to arise in your life that God cannot steal. No wind, no storm. No like unto him. Him alone can steal any storm in creation. Praise the living God. Thou rulest the region of the seas. You have authority over them. When the waves thereof arise, thy still is them. Anytime trouble is coming, God is ever present. Hallelujah. If the storm will not obey your voice, it will be the voice of the Lord. So all you need to do is to trust in him. And don't you forget, he's still with you in that boat, just like he was in the boat with the disciples. Is that okay? He's there. Recognize his presence. Anywhere you are, recognize the presence of the Lord. Recognize his presence. It will set you free from so many things. It will set you free from all forms of anxiety. Recognize his presence. Hallelujah. You've also read the scripture that says, The Lord give all the beloved sleep. Am I right? God knows how good sleep is for you, eh? It is hard to give it to you. <laughs> if you don't sleep, if you can't sleep, because he refused to receive the, the gift. Because that's one of the things he has decided to give to his beloved. People whom we love, he gave them good sleep. There's a lot of things that takes place in the sleeping state. When you wake up in the morning, that's resurrection. Because you are refreshed. A new creature. Amen? Hallelujah. Mm. Turn with me to Psalm 93. Psalm 93. There is peace guaranteed to us because of the peace offering. He is our peace. Christ is our peace. Psalm 93. I look at 93. Um, three and four. Hallelujah. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high 
is mightier than the north of many waters. Yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Hallelujah. Now, the scripture is saying, well, we are in this life not in exclusion or outside of troubles. Hallelujah. And it's like on a daily basis, there's a kind of flood that is rising up. But there is the Lord who is on high that is mightier than the very noise of these many waters put together. Hallelujah. The mighty waves of the sea. There is somebody that they fear. There is somebody they respect. Be part of that individual. He's mightier. I want to say this again. This piece I'm talking about have nothing to do with the fact that you will not get trouble in this world. But there is an overcoming of those trouble in this world. Am I talking to somebody here? You see, <laughs> that is why sometimes people get into confusion and say, oh, well, the gospel is not true because of the way it is presented. Hey, when you come to the Lord, it's all, you do the, no, no, no. Just like Maxwell is trying to teach. You come to the Lord, well, all you need to make money is olive oil and some consecrated water and some amount of salt and then you're going to make money. It's a lie. Unless you become an oil merchant, sell the olive oil, you can make money. But pouring into your head can't bring money. Not at all. Amen? Come on, am I talking to somebody? In fact, if you want to talk of the oil that produces money, it's not on the head, it's on the feet. Book of Deuteronomy. Huh? The promise, you remember that? It said the, the, the oil was that feet from the very stone, from the very, the stones there, the iron that shall produce oil for your feet. Meaning wealth. Hallelujah. And when, when Job was talking about oil on my hair, was talking about wisdom. When the oil was upon my head, when I sit at the gate, even the elders will bow down to listen to what I'm saying. Oil on your head won't bring money. Business brings money. Walk. Eh? Walk. That's what brings money. Even so, understand this. That you are in life as a believer doesn't mean you can face problems. What God has provided for is, in the midst of those problems, you can still maintain your calmness. Is that alright? You can still maintain your calmness and overcome. Because there's a provision for overcoming, but there is a peace you can receive in the midst of calmness that even to retaliate will be a problem for you. Are you following what I'm talking about here? That's the peace God is providing. That's the peace God is talking about. But it's not to say, because you're a believer, then therefore, you can face a problem. No. We are talking about what makes you overcome problem and your attitude in the midst of the problem. Your attitude, your posture, your disposition to the problem is what we are discussing. The peace of God will guarantee in such a way that you'll be at rest. Hallelujah. So the peace of God the pastor understand we guide your heart. We, we guide your heart. We secure your heart from agitation. Philippians 4. We secure your heart from agitation. 
You are just sure life is real. You are just very certain life is possible. I can live life again. I can continue with life. You are sure of that. In the midst of the trouble, you are peace. Hallelujah. Let's look at this sea. What is this sea, by the way? Because some of you don't seem to be seeing what is this sea it really means. Let's see. What is this sea? Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57. Mm. I look at 20 to 21. Isaiah 57, 20, 21. What is this sea? That the Lord will come for his own people. God intend to calm the sea. God is mightier than the sea. God wants to steal the sea. What is this sea? Is it the Atlantic Ocean? Is it River Niger? What is this sea that God intends to calm for his people? Isaiah 57, 20 to 21. Bible says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea. When he cannot rest, whose waters cast up mare and death. And then the Bible says, there is no peace, saith my God. To which people? To the wicked. Two ways I'm going to make you see what the scripture is saying here. But let me first read it again from the message. Oh, but the wicked are storm battle steeds that can't quieten down. The waves stir up garbage and mud. There is no peace, God says, for the wicked. Hallelujah. Two ways. The first place, the wicked, they are like the sea. Also meaning, they stir up the troubles for the righteous. Amen? So, the sea can be seen and is seen in both ways. The wicked, they do not receive the peace of God, but at the same time, they try to create the trouble for the righteous. So, everything we find in creation today has to do with men who are wicked people. They don't have rest, they don't have quietness, they are always troubled. But look at it from the other perspective. There are only two people you can also see from scriptures, the wicked and the righteous. Is that okay? The wicked are the righteous. The righteous are simply those who believe in the Lord. The wicked are those who have not believed in the Lord. Even though if you think you are not serving idol, no, that doesn't make you a righteous person as far as scripture is concerned. Amen? Are you there with me? Now the Bible is saying there is no peace to the wicked. It means if you can't receive Christ, who is supposed to be our peace, you can have the peace we are discussing. Because to God, you are a wicked man. Is that okay? Are you getting what I'm talking about? And the description is, these men are always troubled. They are always, you know, it's, it's, it's like the sea that cast up the mud. In other words, there is death. There is all manner of ugly situations around them because they have not been able to receive the peace that will make them quiet in life. Praise the living God. Men who lack the peace of God are the wicked people. They don't have the kind of peace the Lord provides for the people who trust and believe in Him. I want you to know that. Those who lack trust, trust in the Word of God, trust in the promises of God, they are like what? The sea. There is always this up and down thing, stormy situation. I remember when I was young, if we wanted to cross the river Niger in those days, there have to be a timing. You don't cross 
the major, the larger aspect of the widest part of the River Niger. In those days where my dad used to do farming, you don't cross at about five to six. It's predictable when the wind comes. Once the wind begins to come, the waves begin to go up. So at that time, you don't cross. So if you go to the farm, you're going to be closing. Nobody will tell you, you're closing around three o'clock, two thirty, you close. You go very early, close very, very early as well. And come back home to avoid the storm. Otherwise, you're going to be trapped there. Stay overnight on the other side, as the case may be, or stay very late into the night before you can cross the river. So we know that people who are wicked, they are predictable. And they are never going to have peace in their life. No way. Because the prince of peace is no resident within them. Hallelujah. They are never, they are ever ready to stir up troubles for the world around them. But the point is the Lord has promised to steal them all with a strong arm like he did to the army uh, of, of Egypt when he stood the Red Sea. What I mean now is, even if you have people creating trouble and you are on the path of the righteousness of God, you have been able to receive the Prince of Peace into your life. Their trouble will not overtake you. Can I hear any man to that? He has promised to steal them. He has promised to bring them to the place of quietness. They can't overswallow you. They can't, there's nothing they can do. They may toss the boat. Just like he was there with the disciples. They may toss the ball. They may do all that. In fact, they haven't get soaked with the storm, with the wind. But their life is still preserved. You may feel the impact of the wicked one, but that is not your life, man. Your life is still intact. Do you understand what I'm talking about? They may do all that they are trying to do, but your life is still intact. And that is why you discover that at the end of the day, let them live and see what they are going to become. With all that he tried to do to drown you. All that he tried to do to bring you to nothing in life. Let them continue to live. In the presence of your enemies. Shall the Lord do what? Prepare you a table. Hallelujah. Are you there? He is guaranteed. Or he has guaranteed us peace. Therefore he is part of his sacrifice. That was provided for on the cross. Our peace offering. As we trust and believe into his word. The needed peace provided by him will not elude us in life. Just like it happened to those people. Like I said, the only thing they needed to do was to trust in this man that was lying on the boat. Merely looking at him sleeping. Oh man, they should also sleep. If need be, let them hold on his garment and lie down there with him. If all of us are going to sink, let us sink. Right? They were, they were more conscious about his power instead of thinking of his presence. Hallelujah. When you, you seek his miracles, but you don't seek the provider of the miracles, then that's a problem. You should recognize that wherever you are, you carry him. And the consciousness of him being with you provides the miracles. Is that right? See what Jesus will say. I am not alone. The father is what? Is with me. That's his guarantee. And he said, if you don't want to believe what I'm doing, Believe the work for the work says, or believe it for the work says. For it is not me who is doing the work; it is the Father who is me that is doing the works. Means the miracle we are tied to the Father in His life. Therefore, the miracles in your life is tied to Him being where in your life. Trust that it is not you, but Him that resides within you. And let this Prince of Peace provide the peace that He has promised. Since he said he will not leave us alone, we can believe him. He is not a man that he should lie. Amen? 
Neither is son of man that will change. Because situation has become tough, therefore you want to change. No, God doesn't change. Jesus won't change. So if you promise that he's not going to leave you, be sure he won't leave you. And I guarantee you tonight, if you can trust in his word, you will have the peace that he has promised. God bless you.